You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with day four of the auto workers strike with no progress to report this morning. The president of the United Auto Workers Union says he is unmoved by a 21 percent pay raise offer from Stellantis. Sean Fain spoke with CBS's Margaret Brennan. You know, our demands are just we're asking for our fair share in this economy and the fruits of our labor. So 21 percent is a no go for you. It's definitely a no go. And we've made that very clear to the companies. Sean Fain made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation, which you can hear every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Well, Nathan, former vice president and Republican presidential candidate Mike Pence is laying the blame for the United Auto Workers strike on President Joe Biden's economic policies. He says the transition to electric vehicles is threatening jobs. What I'm hearing uh, around the country is that that auto workers are very concerned about Joe Biden's Green New Deal heavy handed effort to use taxpayer dollars to drive uh, these automotive companies into electric vehicle production. Mike Pence made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg's Joe Matthew and Anne-Marie Hordern. Find the full conversation on the Bloomberg's Talks podcast, available wherever you download podcasts. Turning to markets, Karen, this is a big week for central bank decisions. The Fed, Bank of England, and Bank of Japan all make decisions this week, and we get a Fed preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKay. The Fed has made its meetings more interesting by not telegraphing exactly what it will do. This week, policymakers are forecast to hold the nation's benchmark interest rate in a range between five and a quarter and five and a half percent. They still have one more rate move to go this year, at least according to their own outlook published in June. Does that remain in the so-called dot plot? And do they adjust their forecasts for growth, inflation and unemployment? The jobless rate is still well below where they had predicted it would be. While it's unlikely the central bankers would surprise with the rate move, the adjustments they make to their economic outlook and what Chairman Jay Powell says about that will matter a lot to investors. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Mike, thanks. Well, as we await those policy decisions, Morgan Stanley investors see a tough 2024 on the horizon. The firm's equity strategist, Mike Wilson, says after a sharp stock rally this year on the back of resilient economic growth, investors now have a more negative outlook for risk assets in 2024. Wilson says there's a growing debate among clients about whether a recession has been avoided altogether or if it's just been delayed until next year. In Europe this morning, shares of Societe Generale are down 7.5%. The French bank's strategic plan is disappointing investors. The company's new CEO cut revenue and profitability targets, surprising investors who'd hoped for a boost to the underperforming stock. 
Well, we turn to politics now. Nathan and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is proposing a deal to temporarily avert a government shutdown. His demands include an 8% spending cut for domestic agencies and a resumption of border wall construction. As Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports, McCarthy says a government shutdown would be a self-defeat for Republicans. McCarthy says it would undermine his party's leverage in negotiations over spending cuts sought by his party itself. Because when you shut down, you give all your power to, to the administration. But how are you going to win your arguments to secure the border if the border agents don't get paid? How are you going to win the arguments to get wokeism out of the Department of Defense if even our own troops won't be being paid? McCarthy on Fox says this week he hopes to get a short-term funding bill out of the House. The Senate? Another issue. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. Okay, Ed, thank you. Some scathing words from House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. He's blaming Republicans for a possible shutdown and impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden. House Republicans are in the middle of a civil war. The civil war has the following attributes. Chaos, dysfunction, and extremism. The House Republican civil war is hurting hardworking American taxpayers. House Democratic Leader Hakeem Jeffries made those comments on ABC's This Week. You can also catch that program Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, Nathan, former President Donald Trump has given his first interview to a major TV network since leaving office. The runaway frontrunner for the Republican nomination in 2024 had a wide-ranging conversation with the new moderator of NBC's Meet the Press, Kristen Welker. If you were reelected, would you pardon yourself? I could have pardoned myself. Do you know what? I was given an option to pardon myself. I could have pardoned myself when I left. And the former president also continued to insist the 2020 election was rigged and it was his decision to try to overturn it. I watched that election and I thought the election was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. You were listening to your instincts. Uh, My instincts are a big part of it. That's been the thing that's gotten me to where I am, my instincts. But I also listen to people. And you can hear Meet the Press every Sunday at 11 a.m. Wall Street time right here on Bloomberg Radio. Turning to geopolitics, Karen, we may have some progress on U.S.-China relations. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi have met in Malta. A U.S. official says they discussed a potential leaders meeting and other issues in the relationship. The talks come at a critical time in U.S.-China relations. Wang is scheduled to visit Moscow for talks with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov this week. Other world leaders are headed to New York for the United Nations General Assembly. Nathan, thank you. It's time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's John Tucker. John, good morning. And good morning to you, Karen. Time in action! World leaders gathering this week in New York for the United Nations General Assembly and on the streets of Manhattan before the meeting, 75,000 protesters calling for an end to fossil fuels. They want President Biden to stop approving new oil and gas projects and to declare a climate emergency. Emma Beretta was among the organizers. We're targeting Biden because he needs to completely reverse course. He's not even showing up to the Climate Ambition Summit, which is completely unacceptable. Ukraine's President Zelensky will be there at the General Assembly meeting Thursday and will address Congress and meet with President Biden on Friday. The head of the meeting of the U.N. General Assembly, Elon Musk, visited the Turkish President Erdogan in New York, spending about 45 minutes discussing artificial intelligence at a potential factory. According to Erdogan's office, he invited Musk to open a Tesla factory in Turkey. A deal brokered by the Biden administration to free Americans in Iran's custody includes unfreezing $6 billion in Iranian oil revenue and the release of five Iranian nationals in U.S. custody. 
The exchange has drawn criticism from both parties on Capitol Hill. The head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Werner, is expressing concern about what Iran may do with that $6 billion. He wants more details on the constraints being placed on the money. China's military sent 103 warplanes toward Taiwan in a 24-hour period in what the island's defense ministry calls a recent new high. China, which claims Taiwan as part of its territory, has conducted increasingly large military drills in air and waters around Taiwan. They turned back at the last minute. A $250,000 reward has been offered for the capture of the suspects responsible for the deadly ambush of an L.A. County deputy sheriff over the weekend. He was shot and killed in an apparent ambush at a red light. The L.A. County Sheriff Robert Luna is asking the public for its help. And we need you now more than ever. Uh, we come out and help everybody 24-7, and we need you now to help us. We need you to help us capture the coward that committed this murder. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, John, thank you. And now get the latest news whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. It's the top stories from our global team of reporters at the click of a button. Get Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Now for the Bloomberg Sports Update, and here's John Stashauer. John. Karen, some teams off to surprising 2-0 starts in the NFL, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who needs Tom Brady? Baker Mayfield in the box beat Chicago 27-17. Atlanta is 2-0, down 12 in the fourth quarter. The Falcons rallied to top Green Bay 25-24. An even bigger comeback by the Giants, who trailed by three touchdowns third quarter at Arizona and won 31 to 28. They lost last week to Dallas 40 to nothing. The Cowboys beat the Jets 30 to 10. So two wins over the New York teams by a combined score of 70 to 10. Last night in New England, Miami won 24-17. The Dolphins are 2-0. The Patriots are 0-2. 49ers off to a 2-0 start. They beat the Rams 30-23. And the Ravens are 2-0. A 27-24 win at Cincinnati. Bengals are 0-2. And their quarterback, Joe Burrow, tweaked the calf injury that bothered him in the preseason. Baseball, the Orioles tied the game in the ninth and 10th innings and then beat the Rays 5-4-11. They lead Tampa by two in the AL East. Both teams have clinched playoff berths. Nationals won in 11 innings in Milwaukee. Red Sox fourth straight loss was 3-2 at Toronto. The Giants won a wild one at Colorado 11-10. Alabama had a narrow win Saturday at South Florida after losing to Texas and the Crimson Tide now out of the top 10 in the rankings for the first time since 2015. They had been in the top 10 128 polls in a row. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. 
It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We are getting set for a trading week that will be dominated by central bank decisions, not the least of which is the Federal Reserve uh, coming out with its latest policy decision on Wednesday before the Bank of England and Bank of Japan follow. What is the trajectory for the market before the Fed gives investors its latest signal on the path for interest rates? For more, we're joined by Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, great to speak with you as always. What is going to drive the market reaction? Uh, when we finally do hear from Jay Powell and company on Wednesday. Well, well, thanks for having me, as always. And obviously, the central banks are the big story of the week. Um, you know, unfortunately, our rate strategy team thinks that this is going to probably be another fairly boring Fed meeting. Um, they see basically no risk that we're going to get a hike coming up. They don't expect anything particularly interesting coming out of the commentary. They think the Fed really likes how the data has been progressing. Um, you know, I think they, they, they have talked a little bit about how there might be some focus on the 2024 PCE numbers coming up, and that's something you know, that markets on the equity side could definitely be paying attention to and digest. Uh, but in general, you know, we, we expect things to sort of soldier on after this meeting. Yeah, it's interesting how the market has managed to soldier on, despite the elevated interest rates, the dramatic rise in interest rates we've seen uh, for more than a year now. Uh, how do you explain the the rally that we've seen despite elevated interest rates? I think the simplest explanation, and I'll be honest with you, this has been coming up a lot in our conversations with clients based in the U.S. since June. Um, I'm not sure quite why that it really started then. Um, but in general, we think that companies in particular, as well as consumers, have really continued to benefit from the era of low interest rates this year. And what I mean by that is if you look at the mortgage rate or the effective interest rate on mortgage debt outstanding, so you know, not just where people are, are getting their rates today, but what they've got locked in based on all the activity of the last few years, it ended to Q about 3.6%. That's really a mind-boggling statistic. Um, think about it from a public company perspective. I've actually crunched the data three different ways for the S&P 500 to make sure I was getting the right numbers. Um, the lowest number I came up with for 2Q was 1.7%, and the highest I came up with was 3.1%, which is looking at a median of the S&P. Um, and we think that's really happened because companies, you know, they, they sort of listened to investors in recent years and went out and locked in uh, long-term debt at low rates and really, you know, took down their variable rate debt and short-term debt. So the, the punchline here is they just really haven't felt the bite of these interest rates yet. That raises the question of whether we're going to start to feel that bite in 2024. What's your view on that? So you are starting to see both of those statistics I mentioned creep up. Um, I will tell you, I wasn't actually at our industrial conference last week, but the reports from the field that I heard um, were that one of the big topics was deleveraging. It seemed to come up in just about every uh, conference company recap that I read from the team that was on the ground there. Um, and we actually took a look at the statistics around deleveraging and how often companies are mentioning this across not just the S&P or the industrials, but across the whole Russell 3000. And we found it's been quite elevated over the last 
few years. Um, so I think one of the ways that companies are preparing, you know, for potentially the need to refinance at higher levels is is simply to pay down debt. Um, we know that most S&P companies have average-weighted maturities of five years or more. There's a decent amount, I think about 25%, have average-weighted maturities in the next two to five years. So if the Fed does start cutting next year as anticipated, even the debt that does need refinancing is going to get a little bit of relief. Um, so I do think this is you know, kind of a headwind for companies in, in future years. It's something that seems like it's being very well managed so far. I think companies have enough runway they can they can you know manage around it. That doesn't mean that we're not going to see some impact, but it feels like a headwind as we're ascending a mountain as opposed to a cliff that we're about to fall off of. One thing that we have started to see more of in recent weeks is inflows into U.S. stocks. As we think about where this market could go uh, for the rest of this year in our last minute, uh, what, what impact uh, could that have on uh, valuations for the stock market? Is there a risk that the U.S. market starts to get overbought with these inflows coming in? So we've started to see sentiment deteriorate, whether you're looking at the CFTC data, it's come in just a little bit, or the AAII data has, has come in quite a bit since hitting a peak over the summer. But the inflows are starting to come back, and they're starting to come back to the growth part of the market in a big way. A lot of this is passive-driven uh, based on the analysis that we've put together. So it does generate some upside risk heading into the end of the year. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.